On today's episode, I'm joined by Dallas Stars radio analyst Bruce Levine to talk about a few players on the team and do some all-star break evaluations. We'll talk about the big names like Rope Henson, Pavelski, Tyler Sagan, and also dig a, a little bit into some of the, the, the middle of the roster guys. And, and we'll talk about the players that provide the biggest impact on the team and what we should expect from them down the stretch this season. All of this and more coming up on a Friday episode of Locked On Stars. Your Locked On Stars, your daily podcast on the Dallas Stars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, Stars fans. Welcome back to the Locked on Stars podcast, the only daily podcast covering the Dallas Stars, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Dane Lewis, your local expert on all things Dallas Stars hockey, coming to you on this Friday, February 3rd. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more and visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started today. And whether this is your first time here or you are a recurring listener, thank you for stopping by and making Locked on Stars your first listen of the day. If you're new to the YouTube channel and you haven't done so already, please do consider hitting that subscribe button if you like daily Dallas Stars content. You can also find and follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. We are free and available no matter where or how you may choose to consume this show. And yesterday with Mike Heiko, we started to go through some player evaluations. We talked about some of the newcomers, the guys that were either, you know, rookies on the team or acquired in free agency, acquired via trades and a few uh, returning players as well. But wanted to, you know, cover all the bases here and talk about a good majority of the roster. Again, not enough time to cover everybody. But on today's episode, I got to talk with Stars radio analyst Bruce Levine. And we got to talk about several different players that play a huge role on this team and what we can expect from them. Uh, for the duration of the rest of this season and into the playoffs. So let's jump into that conversation now, a, a evaluation of the Dallas Stars roster with Bruce Levine. Joining me now on the show to close out a very good week of guests here at Locked On Stars. You've probably heard his voice on the radio, either going to a Stars game, maybe coming home from a Stars game. One of two uh, of the radio analysts for the team covering the Stars from up above, Bruce Levine. Bruce, uh, they say time flies when you're having fun, and I feel like this hockey season has gone by incredibly fast because the Stars are, are playing a pretty fun brand of hockey. Would you say so? Well, well, first of all, you forgot to mention you can hear us in the bathrooms during intermissions, <laughs> and the acoustics in the AAC men's room I hear are amazing, that I will sound better in there than I do on this show. So <laughs> I want to plug that, that if you have to, if you have to you know, use the facilities, please listen. Yeah, make sure make sure you do it during intermission when you can get yeah. some some entertainment. You know, you don't want exactly. it to be the awkward silence in there. It's too much to deal with. Some right. would say. L listen to us. It, it it makes the time go by faster. Yeah. And to answer your question, it does feel like the season is going by quicker because there's not the angst that we're that we've used to seeing at this time of the year. Uh, I've been doing this since 2010, and I can honestly say this is the second year out of all those years where we've gone to the All Star break. And the question is not, can the Stars make the playoffs? It's going to be, where will the Stars 
be seeded in the playoffs. So that makes things go a lot faster and a lot quicker because there's an underlying confidence with the team, with the organization, and with the fan base that, you know, this feels different because we're not talking about, think about last year going to the all-star break, you know, we were doing the math. Well, the stars have to, you know, play 600 hockey and, you know, just to make the playoffs. And there was a lot of, a lot of concern that the stars were not going to make the playoffs this year. It just feels different. It's not going to be if it's going to be when and who, as in, who do you play? Yeah, no doubt. And a huge reason for the success of the team this season lies in the talent that they've acquired, whether through the draft trade free agency, uh, and even just guys that have been here for a while and people that listened to yesterday's episode with Mike Heiko, we kind of started this trail of evaluating some of the talent on the team. We got to cover some of the newcomers, your Wyatt Johnstons and Mason Marchments of the world, as well as a few veteran returners, guys like Jamie Benn, Jason Robertson, Jake Ottinger. But there's still plenty of guys left here to evaluate. And one guy who I think flies well, wait, under the I, radar. I, I'm getting Heiko's scraps here. Is that what you're saying? I'm getting more... Heiko's leftovers. <laughs> So just, just some of it, but trust me, they're, 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 this is almost like the dessert. Just just some of the, the players we get to talk about. Oh, I, I'm okay. not sure if you're a big dessert guy, but that, that's more the way I choose to see it. <laughs> uh, I can do desserts. Just hike is a tough act to follow. Yeah, well, if, if anyone can do act. it... If, if anyone can do it, I, I feel like it's uh, it's you, you know, that, that's why that's why you're here. There, there's plenty of other options I could have gone oh. with, but I, I've heard I've heard some good things about you. And so I'm, I'm excited to, to jump into this list. <laughs> I, I thought I was getting turtle wax for being on here. <laughs> oh, no, no, never. No, no never. turtle wax? <laughs> I don't get a consolation prize? OK, go ahead. Who are we going to talk about, Dave? Well, let's jump into the first one here. We have Rope Hintz, who, who I think flies under the radar sometimes with a team filled with talent, but I mean, and especially recently injured, but now he's back in the lineup and getting some much needed time off here during this all-star week. W what have you seen from Rope this season, Bruce, that just kind of, you know, what, what have been your thoughts on him? Cause I feel like he, again, flies under the radar. People, when they talk about the stars, want to talk about Ottinger or they want to talk about Robertson and, and what he's doing, but you have hints who's maybe the best two way forward on the team. Uh, take away maybe he is the best two-way forward on the team and the great thing about that is he's learned how to be a great two-way forward uh, I spoke to some of the scouts that were involved in the decision to take him back in 2015 and the, you know the book on him was he was a perimeter perimeter player with great speed but he has to learn how to play a full game well he's learned how to play that full game and he's a guy that you can do penalty kill with you can have him on the ice at the end of games I mean, obviously with Foxa and Glenn Denning and Ben and the ability to win face-offs, that's if there's one little, I would say, I wouldn't even say below average. I'd say below the stars average because the stars are so good in the circle. That's the one thing that that hurts Rope Hints. But the biggest thing with Rope Hints is the gaps he creates. You look at the Dallas Stars power play when he was out. The team struggled getting the puck into the zone. Offensive zone entries without Rope Hints on the power play were much, much more difficult and not very effective, quite honestly. You look when he's playing with Robertson, Pavelski, you know, everyone's got a role to fill. Rope is, he's the gap creator. He's the guy with speed that defenses try to try to cover. And then that creates gaps. And Robo is so good at filling the gaps that Rope creates. It's a nice synergy. And of course, Joe Pavelski just knows how to score goals. But when Rope Hintz goes out of the lineup, yes, Tyler Sagan did a nice job, but the difference, and, and Jason Robertson said this, is the difference is Rope creates gaps. Tyler Sagan is the guy that knows how to retrieve pucks and put his body in the right place to steal pucks once they're in the zone. But it's a much different 
I would say chemistry. Sagan's going after puck. I mean, Tyler Sagan puck hunter is not something you thought you'd hear four years ago, but he knows he's smart enough. He knows how to win battles in the corners, get pucks, get it in front. With Rope Hints, it is a track meet to where the defense has to adjust to his speed. That creates gaps. Robinson fills those gaps. I, I honestly think that if Rope had not gotten hurt, he might have been a stronger consideration for an all-star. Uh, you know, Mike Madano's record for points in the season is 93. I think it's a given that Jason Robertson is going to get there. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Rope Hintz might break that record too with a strong finish to the season. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind, especially if he plays healthy. I'm, I'm right there with you. And, I mean, we almost saw the, the next guy, Joe Pavelski, get there last season. What, 89 points, I think, was a career high for him. And it sounds like four points shy of an all-time record, which is pretty impressive for a guy who's played as long as he has. And I think, you know, Joe Pavelski's a guy that we know he's coming back for at least one more season next year. And maybe, to some people surprise because I think no one would blame him if he, after this year, wanted to hang up the skates and call it a career. But he seems to have a little bit of belief, or I, I feel like you wouldn't come back at playing as long as he has unless you thought that this team had something special past this season. And do you, do you think that plays a huge reason into why Pavelski is coming back next season here to just close out some of the, the talk of the top line? What's missing on Joe Pavelski's resume? The biggest thing missing is the Stanley Cup. And right. he wants that. He and Jamie Benn, I mean, I know everybody wants a Stanley Cup, but I think those two will not feel complete unless they get one more chance. Each has played, you know, in a Stanley Cup final. You know, Pavelski with the Sharks. Actually, Pavelski's played in two, but with the Stars and with the Sharks, and Jamie had the one in the bubble. And to a certain extent, the bubble one doesn't even feel like a Stanley Cup final, even though it was, because it wasn't the mania of, you know, game in, game out, the AAC rocking, and everyone talking about the games between days when the games were off and people driving around with stars flags. It was just a whole different feel. Joe Pavelski wants to win a Stanley cup. And Dane, if you remember when the stars signed Pavelski, and of course people get paid to, to come up with, with takes, whether they're correct or not. Do you remember the two things that were, they knocked the stars on one was, well, year three of the contract is going to be a waste because he's going to be too old to play. And the other one was, well, the stars signed him for a lot of money because he had a great shooting percentage year that last year in San Jose, and he'll never be able to match that again. Well, Pavelski's defied the rules and defied the laws that the naysayers had to say. He's really, a, you know, in front of the net, he's as good as they come. And, you know, yeah, maybe he's lost a step, but playing with Robertson and Hintz, he doesn't have to have that step, especially with Rope, because Rope is the first guy back into the zone so many times. But Joe Pavelski is a leader. He knows how to score. And, yeah, he's coming. He's taking less money each year to come back so the stores will be able to fill out a better lineup. Plus, you know what? His family likes it here. His son plays on the Dallas Stars Elite. His family likes it here. So why not? Why not keep playing? It's not like he's bringing anybody down by doing it. And he's still, I don't know if he's going to get to 80 points this year. It'll be close. But you know what? That top, how do you argue with that line and keeping them together? You can't. And Pavelski is a pivotal, pivotal guy in that. And the other thing is the younger players look up to Pavelski. Obviously, Wyatt Johnston living in Pavelski's house. Uh, you know, they're going to have some other guys come out. You know, Logan Stankoven's going to be here probably next year. Maybe Maverick Bork. Having a Pavelski who knows how to score and do it at the NHL level, having him around is also a huge boost for the guys coming up. So, you know, Pavelski knows his role, but it's not just himself. It's what he brings to the table and helps, I guess, pass the wisdom to the next generation. 
We've got more with Bruce Levine coming up here in just a second. But first, I got to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports both fun and easy. You can download FanDuel now so you can bet the Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet where you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid with your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL and the Locked On Stars podcast. Yeah, you, you mentioned the leadership, and I, I kind of want to dive into that at a, at a deeper level here. I've ta- I was talking about this with a friend the other day, actually. So much of, of the importance of a playoff run is not just the performance on the ice, but it's the leadership off the ice. And you, you mentioned the word leader just a second ago with Joe. In your experience covering the Stars or hockey in general, how valuable is it to have that veteran leadership, not just Pavelski, but Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan and some other guys that have been around for a while, whether that's Essa Lindell, Ryan Suter, even I know that there's opinions on him throughout the fan base, but he's a, he's a veteran presence who's been in this league a long time. How valuable are those players on a team again, not just on the ice, but off the ice as well, because the playoffs, as we know, a, a completely different game in terms of the, the mental side of, you know, playoff hockey. How do you learn how to win? It's not something that you just throw your sticks out. There's a very famous story from Wayne Gretzky and I'm going to go back. You've heard of Wayne Gretzky, right? Yeah. Yeah. Once or twice. Once okay. Or twice. <laughs> it is a great story that when Edmonton played the Islanders in the Stanley cup final in 1983, I believe 1983, and they got swept by the Islanders. They thought Edmonton thought they were a bunch of young guys who thought they knew just, they were going to go out there and play their game and win. And they walk by the Islanders locker room and they look in the locker room and the guys like Potvin and Trottier and Gillies and Nystrom and, and Bossy, they're not partying in the back. They are in the trayers table, each maybe with a beer, just getting iced up and getting stitched up because that was what it took to win the Stanley Cup. Looking at those guys, Wayne Gretzky said, you know what? We haven't learned how to win at that level. And the next year they went and won the Stanley Cup because they learned the hard way. Look at Tampa, got swept by Columbus three years ago, then won back-to-back Stanley Cups. Look at Colorado, how many years did they have disappointment? and then won the Stanley Cup. There's a little bit of luck, but there's a lot of experience. You have to have the experience of what it takes to win and go far in the playoffs. You don't win the Stanley Cup with a bunch of guys who's never been there. It just doesn't happen. Even the Stars team in 99, they brought in Guy Carboneau. They brought in Keane. You know, they, they had guys who had been there and won. So even though Pavelski and Ben and, and some of the other veterans haven't won, they've been to the Stanley Cup final in maybe the toughest situation ever. They know what it's like to have the leadership in the locker room that's necessary to win. So you look at the young guys, they're going to follow that. You don't win a Stanley Cup with no leadership experience or worse yet, bad leadership experience. You're not going to win unless you have guys leading the way who've been there and have learned, for lack of a better term, the hard way, how difficult it is to have playoff success. The Stars have some guys in there that now have done that and know what it's like. 
No doubt. And there's a player, he might not be considered a veteran, but guy who has been to the Stanley Cup Finals with that team in 2020, Miro Haskinen. And I feel like he doesn't need a big introduction before we talk about him. What have you seen from his game this year? It feels like he just elevates his game season after season after season. And this year, I think it's coming out a little bit more offensively, which might be, you know, an effect of Pete DeBoer coming in town. Is that kind of what you've seen from him this season? Well, it's effective two things. One is Pete DeBoer, even when he got here, said Miro Haskin has another level he can get to offensively. He said that repeatedly. And that was his goal was to get Miro. Miro's quarterback in the first power play unit. He's out there in critical times and the stars need a goal because, you know, let's face it, he's not a defensive liability and he can score, he can create, he can make things happen. But for me, the biggest thing was, and this is sort of addition by subtraction, Miro is very polite as a rookie and a youngster coming up, and he deferred to John Klingberg. John Klingberg ran the first power play unit. Miro doesn't make waves. Well, with John Klingberg signing with Anaheim, there was that vacuum to be filled, and Miro was the guy to step in. And everyone knew Miro was going to be the guy to step in. And Miro has played at a very good level. My only, if I had slight criticism, is I want to see Miro get noticed on a national level. I want to see him being talked about like Adam Fox and Kale McCarr and, and, and Eric Carlson, uh, Carlson and that group. Problem is, it seems that every time Miro gets on a national stage is when he has his biggest mistakes or his worst moments. I just want to see him do well and flourish and thrive because, you know, I still go back to his rookie year where I think it was 35 people left him off their Calder trophy ballot because the one time they saw him, he wasn't all world. And I really want to see Miro perform. He, he was great in the playoffs, in, in, the, in the bubble playoffs. I thought he was good last year. But, you know, Miro has another level offensively. He's getting to that. But now it's got to be the for Miro to be considered an elite defender. He's got to have big moments when the spotlight is on him. You know, we see him every day, every game. And you go, wow, Miro does stuff. You know, Miro goes out of the lineup and then he comes back in. You go, yeah, that's what makes him so amazing. But the people that don't see him out very often just get those little glimpses here and there. I really want to see him when he goes, when Toronto plays here, he plays against the Rangers where there's that big, that big media presence that they go, wow, this guy is special. We know he is. I want the rest of the rest of the media to see that as well. Definitely. It feels like he's been underrated for so, for so long. I mean, you mentioned so many other great names, Fox, McCarr, Carlson. I think Roman Yossi last year got a ton of recognition for the way he played. And maybe, you know, a playoff run this year is all Miro Haskinen needs to, you know, have, have almost maybe that Jake Ottinger moment where the Stars knew how good he was, but now the rest of the world knows. And Jake's carried that over into this season. And who's to say Miro Haskinen can't do the same with a, a big finish, you know, down the stretch here in the regular season and in the playoffs as well. And one thing, Pete DeBoer does not load up. Like Roman Yossi last year played a ridiculous amount of minutes. He had to. Miro doesn't have to. But I think when we get to the playoffs, we're going to see Miro playing 27, 28, 29 minutes, whatever is necessary for the Stars to be winners, to, to get the job done. So, you know, right now he, he leads the team in time on, time on ice, but he's not, he's not pushing 25, 26 minutes or something like that. I think they're going to keep the minutes reasonable, but when the playoffs come, the, the, the restrictor plates will come off. Definitely. And I'm excited to see it. I know many others are as well. And moving on to another player who is still relatively new to the team, got a little bit of a, just a taste of playoff experience at the end of the series against Calgary. But Ty Delandria has come on this season and played a pretty 
decent sized role for this team seems to have really found a good connection with Jamie Benn and Wyatt Johnston. What, what have you seen from Ty? Cause I know we saw a lot of him two years ago, that condensed season where there were injuries galore on the roster, uh, a really, really tough stretch of games, tough teams in the same division as the stars and Delandria kind of thrust in there, maybe a little too early, but he had to be there to in order for the stars to have a roster to play. But now it seems like he's finally kind of arrived as a legit NHL player with some skill, obviously not perfect and still working to get better, but been a lot to like about Delandria this season. It's interesting. You talk to people in the stores organization and they feel that that taxi squad set Delandria back about a year that, you know, you're in the NHL, you're, you're, you're practicing every day, but you're not playing. So if you're not playing, you're not getting better. Then you get used to the NHL lifestyle a bit and it, you know, you can't practice at the same level at the NHL when like in a pregame skate, guys are coming out for five minutes and then leaving. And then of course the stars, you know, had that hellacious schedule where there just was no time for practice. So they really felt that Delandria's progress was absolutely stunted by that, by that year, by, by the COVID year. And then they felt it took him about half of last season to get back to where he was. But once he got to that point, midway through the AHL season last year, the stars loved his progression. They loved the fact that he started playing the way he used to and not, not overthinking, not, you know, just going out and doing the job and playing the game he's supposed to play. And he's one of the guys that when you talk to the stars last year at the end of last season, when they said, we've got to get younger, we've got to get faster. The first name they mentioned on offense was Ty Delandria. And he worked out hard in the offseason, worked with Gary, the Gary Roberts program. And what I like best about him is because he's, let's face it, he's a jerk on the ice. He's a guy you don't want to play against. He's, he's gritty. He's sandpaper. He's in your face. He's annoying. That allows Jamie Benn to go and be an offensive threat because Jamie Ben doesn't have to be the physical factor on the line. He doesn't have to be the guy that goes in the corner and, and scrapes around for pucks. With Ty Delandry, you got Wyatt Johnston, who's got tremendous patience for a 19-year-old and great puck skills. But then you throw Ty Delandry in there, and he's the jerk. He's the sandpaper, and that allows Jamie Ben to be an offensive force and not have to be that guy that stirs the pot. And you see the effect it's had on Ben, and you know that line has clicked quite well. Obviously, it's the number two line for the Dallas Stars. And, you know, with you got basically Delandry is pretty much a rookie for all intents and purposes. Wyatt Johnston is definitely a rookie. And you got Jamie Benn. And I, I talked to Jamie Benn a few right before the break. I said, well, how do you like playing with those guys? Big smile came on his face. That I love playing with those guys. I love it. We talk about the game on the ice. We talk about it often. We text each other. He can't be happier. So Ty Delandry has been a very big key to that line success. No doubt. And I think that's huge from Jamie Ben. I mean, he never is one to fabricate or tell lies. He normally is very clear about how he feels and very blunt and direct about things and also quick to praise his teammates. So that's huge praise from the captain of the team who, you know, is having one of his best seasons in a while, similar to another player on the other side of the ice. And you mentioned Miro Haskinen and how, you know, he kind of gave way to John Klingberg during the early days of his career here. Now he's kind of the guy, but there's another defenseman who has been here a while and never really demanded the spotlight, but shows up to work every day and doesn't really ever seem to miss much time, miss many games. He's always out there playing a lot of minutes and that's Essa Lindell. And, and I, for one, think he's having a really solid season, especially defensively, but even on the offense a little bit, I feel like we're seeing him get rewarded with a few more goals than we might normally in the past. Well, what's been your take on Essa this season? Because I think he can be overlooked, but again, he he shows up every day. He hardly misses games. 
and seems to always play hard when he's on the ice. It seems the Stars fan base has a lot of opinions on defensemen in general. <laughs> and I, I have seen some people complain about Essel Lindell. I have seen some people out there, oh, you know, he's one-dimensional. He's not, you know, he's he doesn't he doesn't scare anybody. But you know what? His job is not to go out there and put pucks in the net. If you get a few goals from Essa, fantastic. His job is to be locked down defense. It's not the same, but but Darian Hatcher didn't score a whole lot of goals. Now, Darian Hatcher did scare the hell out of everybody who ever played against him, but Essa Lindell's role is to stay back, kill penalties, be the guy on the ice at the end of the game, and make sure whoever he's up against doesn't score. And, you know, Essa Lindell makes the second most amount of money of any Stars defenseman. And if you talk to the Stars, again, the coaching staff and the front office, they love Essa Lindell. He's quiet. He's unassuming. He plays the same steady game night in, night out. And the stars know with a one goal lead, you're going to have Essa Lindell on the ice, whether it's usually with Yanni Hockenpah, sometimes with Miro Haskin, but the given is that Essa Lindell will be there. He blocks shots. He clears the front of the net. He's a guy that, you know, when you talk about defensive defenseman, he's the prototypical guy. And again, the stars love what he brings to the table each night. Now, if the Stars are going to win a Stanley Cup, maybe, you know, you need him to play more minutes. But the way the Stars are playing right now, you know, with the, the, the great thing about having this record that they have is you don't have to tax anybody right now. You can just keep rolling them and rolling them and hope that when the playoffs come, these guys, you know, Essel and Dell in a playoff series is going to get more time. You know, every, de- you know, just about, you know, every defensive zone faceoff in a third period, Essel and Dell or Miro Haskin is going to be out there. So you, you certainly expect, you know, the the time to the time and ice to up a little bit, but Essel Lindell has earned that and deserves it, quite frankly. I mean, he's a guy that he'll block a shot, he'll clear the front of the net, he'll he'll do what you have to do. And for anybody that's you know thinks that Essel Lindell's overpaid, you know, we asked this to to one of the people in the stars front office. If you think Essel Lindell's underpaid, if we put overpaid, if we put him on the trade block tomorrow, we'd have 31 teams making offers. And that says a lot about what I think about Essa. Yeah, no, no doubt. A, a very, very good, consistent player, like you say. And I've, I've got two more for you. And the first guy, I, I know that this guy might not be on the team, you know, a month from now, but a guy that I think is worth mentioning just because there were so many big expectations placed on him this season, Dennis Gurionov. It, it's not obviously he's had some some off ice matters to deal with. He missed a good amount of time away from the team that was not injury related, a, a family related incident. So. Obviously, not everyone has a grasp of what he's dealing with outside of the game of hockey, but we know on the ice it has not been a great season for him. Do you think that he sticks around and finishes the season out with the Stars, or do you think he could be a potential piece that gets moved as the Stars look to add some maybe different faces and names to their roster? Oh, I'm going to throw this back on you, Dane. First of all, this is not, I want to point out, this is not a Val Nichushkin thing where a guy comes over doesn't try hard, gets basically in a, in a pouty mood and doesn't do anything. Dennis Gurionov's a good guy. He tries hard. He works hard. He does everything, you know, the, he, he, whatever the coaches ask him to do, he is willing to try. Problem is when he gets on the ice, it doesn't work. It, it just, he, he's got all, he's got all the tools, but, but they're not in the toolbox and it's just not coming together. And for Dennis Gurionov, this should have been, you know, we knew that Rick Bonus didn't trust Dennis Gurionov. We knew that. Well, in comes Pete DeBoer with a with a high revving offense, 
a clean slate. And Denis Gurionov has two goals. And even before he went back to Russia with the with the family issue, he had two goals. And he's played, he had played 30-something games before that. Uh, the question is not, will Denis Gurionov be here? But the question is, who wants him? I mean, for, for the salary cap hit and what the production you get, I don't see a team trading for him. I don't see a team, unless a team just wants to create cap space after this year, because Gurionov will be a you know restricted free agent. If you don't qualify him, he's an unrestricted free agent. But I think that's, that's you really, when you look at, you know, Sagan and Marchment, and you keep looking for that third piece, and you keep looking for that, the guy who's going to make that line click the way Ben, Delandria, and, and Johnston do, you so badly wanted it to be Dennis Gurionov. And, it's not going to be him. He's been here a while. He's, you know, he's 25 years old now. Believe it or not, he's in the same draft class as Rope Hintz. You know, and Rope was a second second rounder. Rope Hintz became Rope Hintz, and Dennis Gorianov unfortunately has not taken that step. In fact, you might even say he's regressed a little bit because of the fact that so many coaches have given him so many chances. So I would say Dennis Gorianov's a major disappointment. We really, you want to see him do well but it just isn't happening. And, you know, he's, he's big, you know, he's 210 pounds, doesn't throw the body a whole lot. He's fast. Doesn't go to the net a whole lot. Doesn't, doesn't beat, you know, you look at rope hints, creating gaps, going off, doesn't create gaps and he doesn't finish. And, you know, the fact that he's not on the power play, you know, even, you know, with that one timer that we saw happen in, in the bubble year, the, the leading up to it, what happened? How did this guy go from being a 20 goal scorer that you thought, the light, you know, that was the thing. Rope Hints and Jason Robertson went down to the AHL. They came back on, kept the light bulb switched, and they've been fantastic ever since. We thought that Dennis Gurionov, after being sent down in 2019, and then getting called up and having a 20-goal season, that the light bulb went off, that he was ready to go. I can't explain why the regression, but I don't think, you know, sometimes when things go in a tailspin, you can't pull them out. I think that's what we're looking at with Dennis Gurionov. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because you mentioned 20 goal score not too long ago. And I think, you know, the flashes were there that season that they went to the Stanley Cup. And I think all stars fans at this point can hope for is this time off is beneficial for him and he he can come back and make some sort of consistent impact on the team. Not sure what that would look like. But the, the, the last player that I want to talk about, a guy that I'm sure people listening are wondering how we haven't brought this guy up yet across two episodes of talking about multiple players on the team. Tyler Sagan, a guy who's loved by, by this fan base, but also can be heavily criticized when he doesn't perform, has been playing pretty well as of late, of course, playing alongside Jason Robertson and Joe Pavelski will do that. But now it seems like he, he's been, you know, moved back to, you know, playing either on a second or third line for this team. Do, do you think that his game continues to be at the same level? And do you think it could get raised depending on the moves that the stars get made that, that they make at the deadline? What do you see from Tyler Sagan coming uh, in the second you know, half of this season as we go down the stretch towards the playoffs? Well, what we're seeing from Tyler Sagan is an, ev excuse me, an evolution of his game. Uh, Tyler Sagan is not the guy that's going to stretch the defense anymore. He's not going to be the guy that, you know, remember when he first got to the Dallas Stars, it seemed like he had a breakaway every, every game, you know, especially in the second period, you know, Ben mm -hmm. Bishop would launch one up and Sagan would pick it up and go in. Those days are over. If Tyler Sagan is even with a defender, it's not game over anymore. You know, Tyler Sagan is having to learn how to score goals differently, going to the net, rebounds, deflections. So it's a different player than what we saw. And I think injuries 
you know, those injuries he had a couple of years ago, those massive injuries had a lot to do with it. Uh, Tyler Sagan, the reason Tyler Sagan did so well with Pavelski and Robertson was there were gaps. I mean, Pavelski attracts the defense. Robertson attracts the defense. And Sagan found those bases to go and score. Well, playing Marchman's been in a bit of a slump lately. Who's the other winger? I mean, sometimes, you know, no offense. Radic Fox at center is not going to scare people defensively. And they're going to say, well, Marchman's good, but he's not scoring. Radic Fox, uh, we're going to key on Sagan. And Sagan is not the player he was that he can beat guys one-on-one the way he used to be. Now, he's very good in face-offs, very good 200-foot player. To expect Tyler Sagan to score 40 goals again, those days are gone. If Tyler Sagan can – I really think if the Stars had one move they had to make at the deadline, it's they've got to find that number nine, that winger that completes the top nine. Because then you could have, you know, Glenn Denning, Kiviranta, and uh, Foxa, and you've got a good fourth line. There's your fourth line. There's your checking line. Mm-hmm. You're done. But they need that one guy that's going to get into that line and make Tyler Sagan more effective, let Mason Marchant be the, the Ty Delandria, the, the sandpaper guy that gets in people's grills and then create the same magic that we saw. Uh, you know, Tyler Sagan's probably not going to move to the first line power play again. That's that's set. That with Ben in the middle and and the uh, the Avengers lines, we like to call them, that's set. So how can you make the second power play better? We need the stars. If they can find a way to trade for that one more offensive catalyst, that's where Sagan will take off or at least be more of a threat because it's, you know, Pete DeBoer said he wanted Sagan to grab a line and go with it. Well, he sort of did with with Robertson and and Pavelski, but then Rope Hints wound up in a situation where he wasn't getting the most out of his talents because of being in that situation. So there's got to be somebody added. We've got to have somebody that's going to be there and step up and make that line, whoever it is with Sagan and Marchment and whoever, more potent and more more threatening on a game in game out basis. Absolutely. And I, I, I can't wait personally to see what Jim Neal does here over the next month or so, because we know that he's a, a pretty effective businessman here in the NHL, whether it's trades, free agency pickups, drafts. Uh, he and his staff tend to have a pretty good grasp on that kind of thing. And one more question that we're done with players, but I, okay. I like this question and like to, to ask it to people who cover the stars and watch as much stars hockey as I do. If I don't think it's a secret that this team is truly a contender that very well could find themselves in the Stanley Cup finals again. If they win the cup this year, the Dallas Stars, in your eyes, what is the reason that they bring the cup back to Dallas? Uh, the reason they would bring the cup back to Dallas. It, it, you know, it's an interesting question, but I really think that the reason it, it there's no reason to think that Jake Ottinger and let's Okay, let's go back into the Stars history. Uh, I don't know if you were around in 97 when uh, Curtis Joseph stood on his head and stole a playoff series from the Dallas Stars when when uh, Tard Marchant walked around and scored in Game 7. What did the Stars do? They went out and got Ed Belfort. You don't win Stanley Cups without great goaltending. Now, maybe Colorado last year a little bit, but Kemper was good enough to get the job done. But if you're going to get through the Western Conference, and you, you may have to play Connor McDavid in the conference final, you certainly, uh, and this is the one that scares me, I think Colorado was dormant the first half of the season. They had the Stanley Cup hangover. They had injuries. If this team gets their entire act together, they are going to be the team to beat. And that could be a first-round matchup. That could be a second-round matchup. You're not going to beat Colorado with average goaltending. If this, you're not going to beat Edmonton 
with average goaltending. I think the Stars are better offensively. I like their defense, but you are not going to win the Stanley Cup. If we see the Jake Ottinger we saw last May, people can look at that and go, that's why you win the Stanley Cup, or that's how you win the Stanley Cup. You're not going to win it with average goaltending. Stars could have, you know, all the offense going and all the, you know, the defense clicking, but Ottinger's got to be what he was, and there's no reason to think he can't be. You're absolutely right, and we obviously saw it last May, and we've seen it. Time and time again this season, there's, of course, been a few ebbs and flows, but you expect that with an 82-game season and a guy like Ottinger who's had as much playing time as he has. I, for one, am excited to see what this team does here down the final stretch, 30 games, give or take, and then the the playoffs are here, and it's a, a good time to to be a Stars fan with football season officially over. And, and you know, this is this is that time of year where the, the true teams rise to the occasion and the teams that are pretenders start to fade away. So... Bruce, I know you're excited as well, and I appreciate you coming on today's episode. If you want to take a minute, I, I like to do this with guests. If there's any work that you do, I know you're, you're pretty well known on the radio here, but any other work or any, anything else you do that you want to plug here on the podcast, here's a, here's a chance for you to do that. Uh, I have nothing to plug right now. I uh, Let's see. I'm getting much better at uh, cooking and uh, slow cooking. I, okay. I've got a, I've, you know, I'm doing that in my spare time. I'm getting better at, uh, at doing briskets. That's sort of important. Uh, let's see. No, I, there is no work I want to plug right now. There, there is nothing I need to plug. This is this is my focus. I, I, I should I plug? I, I don't know what what can what did Heike mention? Is he plugging uh, anything? No, he he really didn't have too much either. And I feel I mean I, I guess people kind of know where Heike's work is on a website, but I'll, I'll have you know your your Saad Yusufs or Sam Nestlers of the world that sometimes their their work might not be. As accessible, I feel weird saying that about Saad. I know he writes for the Athletic, but yeah, you never know. I'd hate to, to have you on here, and uh, I mean, there's always people that, that sometimes have something to say or something they want people to know about. So, but slow cooking, cer certainly nothing to scoff at. I'm a I'm a fan of a a good brisket. So, got it. Got a ton yeah. of respect for people that know how to make a good one. That's about all I can plug right now. Uh, you know, if, if there's any if there's any beer companies that want me to be a spokesman, or actually, in my case, if there's any rum companies that would like <laughs> me to be a spokesman for them, I'll be happy to. To you know, put my face on a bottle, which would be nice. But all right, well, that, I don't, <laughs> I do not have anything to plug. All right, well, if any rum companies or anyone who works for one out there and you need a spokesman, you you heard it here first. You know the guy to reach out to. But Bruce, thank you again for doing this, and we'll we'll have to have you back on again here sometime soon. Dane, I enjoyed it, and uh, best of luck with the podcast. Hope it goes goes swimmingly the rest of the year. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed today's conversation with Bruce, and I hope you guys enjoyed this entire week. Uh, Tuesday through Friday, had a guest on the show. Special thank you to Saad Yusuf, Sam Nessler, Mike Kaika, and, of course, Bruce Levine on today's show. Uh, a, a kind of what could have been a dead week here for Stars Hockey content, I think, was made a pretty good week, and that's a testament to the guests that I have on. So let me know if you guys enjoyed the episodes this week, and if there's any other guests you want to hear from, uh, let me know in the comments down below or on Twitter. I will do everything in my power to try and make that happen. But I hope you guys have a great weekend. Be sure to follow, subscribe, like the show wherever you watch. And we'll be right back here on Monday, maybe talking a little bit about All-Star Weekend if anything crazy goes down. I know Jason Robertson and Pete DeBoer will be representing the Central Division tomorrow. And Jason Robertson... Uh, representing the stars. I, I don't even remember the name of the skills competition. It's something with golf and, and hockey mix. So could be exciting. Um, you know, I know the all-star game. I know there's not necessarily the best 
uh, reputation around it, but I think there's still potential for some good entertainment and hopefully some good fun. And then the team comes back ready to play on Monday. The Anaheim Ducks come to town. John Klingberg finally makes his return to Dallas for the first time since becoming an Anaheim Duck. So lots to talk about on Monday's episode. Be sure to tune in. I hope you guys have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here on Monday.